Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I, I like to use the word inspire as opposed to motivate because I feel like when you motivate somebody, you're standing there, you're cheering them on or motivating them negatively possibly. But when you leave, that motivation leaves. To me, inspiration, basically that lasts. That's something that a player can take with them. That's something that when someone's inspired, they take action and they do it on their own. So if we can build a more inspired player, it's only going to benefit that player as an individual, but it's also going to benefit the team. And, and I heard this a long time ago, like a coach's job is to take a player somewhere they can't take themselves. Today's episode is a peek inside the third annual Lawrence First and Goal Clinic. And on day one, Matt Edwards, who's a pass rush specialist for the Las Vegas Raiders, presented his philosophy on coaching, as well as how to coordinate a pass rush and then some of the techniques that go along with creating a great pass rusher. In this segment, we share his philosophy on coaching and some of the things that he does that really apply to every position, and then we do dig into a little bit of what he does to coordinate a pass rush. So enjoy this one. Again, it's from Lauren's First and Goal Clinic. Be sure to check that out, lfgf2023.coachesclinic.com. If you haven't gotten your pass yet, I highly encourage you to do it. It's been excellent so far. Replays are available for this one for a year. If you get the staff pass, that's basically about $50 per coach and a ton of content for the entire year. So here's Coach Matt Edwards of the Las Vegas Raiders. I'm going to talk about some pass rush principles, but I'm really going to start out with some philosophical principles and just kind of the things that guide me in my coaching. So whether you're coaching pass rushers or line, like whatever it is you coach, I think there's going to be some things you can apply here just to kind of help you professionally and more importantly, help your players. Um, part of it's going to be about like just understanding like what is my job? And I think it's important for all of us when we're looking at our specific role or our specific responsibility, it's like, okay, how do I do my job better? Like my title uh, falls under the lines of pass rush, but first and foremost, I kind of, I look at myself as a teacher. And I think that's what all of us are. It just happens that our subject matter is football. And then specifically here, the subject matter is pass rush. So the things that I think are important, I, I want to be able to teach 
I want to develop and I want to inspire. So when I talk about teaching, it's how am I going to ma maximize a player's skill set and their play style? And I need to identify exactly what those are. And, and we'll speak more of that as we kind of get into the presentation. But along with it, it's it's teaching these guys the game. Like sometimes you have to start with just football 101, you know, back sets, gaps, you know, build everything from the ground up. And I think it's important that you develop a progression for your teaching. The next phase would be develop. The NFL, whether people believe it or not, it's a developmental league. Young guys are, are constantly coming into the league, and it's your job to get those young guys better so that they can stay in this league. And, and I look at it as, as overall, like, I want to build a more competitive, a consistent, and a complete rusher. And I'll kind of talk about how I like to do that throughout the course of the presentation. And then the last thing is inspire. I like to use the word inspire as opposed to motivate because I feel like when you motivate somebody, you're standing there, you're cheering them on or motivating them negatively possibly. But when you leave, that motivation leaves. To me, inspiration, basically, that lasts. That's something that a player can take with them. That's something that when someone's inspired, they take action and they do it on their own. So if we can build a more inspired player, it's only going to benefit that player as an individual, but it's also going to benefit the team. And, and I heard this a long time ago, like a coach's job is to take a player somewhere they can't take themselves. So that that's kind of how I look at it. Um, and now I want to break down like, well, what does that mean? Being a teacher at the core, it's like, well, how do I want to teach? And this is very, very important to me. Like the first thing that I look at is whatever I'm presenting on, I want it to be. I want to make sure that I'm communicating in a way that they understand. And, and oftentimes communication being a two-way street, it's like, just because I'm saying it, it's more important. How are they receiving the information? And sometimes to be clear, you've got to communicate in a way that that particular player likes to receive information. And the reality is you're going to have a lot of different types of learners in your room. So I think it's important to be clear and presented in a number of different ways so that you can kind of touch on all the different types of learners. The next thing is, is when I'm teaching, I want to make sure that I'm clean. When I say clean, that, that's the room, okay? Am I up front? Can they see me? Can they hear me? When I put a presentation up on the board, can they pull the, the most important thing from each slide or from each clip? That way they can kind of use that instead of just maybe you put a slide up and there's 5,000 things on the on the screen, like they're not going to read all that. So try to minimize the, the talking points, keep it specific. And that leads right into the next point, like be concise. And when I talk about being concise, I'm talking about details. OK, for every call, for every technique, for every pass rush, there's going to be specific details. And I think it's important that you as a coach, you hit those details. And one of the easiest things to do is just kind of have a checklist for how you're teaching. Like, did I hit the alignment? Did I hit the assignment? Did I hit the stance, the key? What's happening in the course of the play? What we're ultimately trying to achieve with the play, that kind of circles back to the objective. And the last thing that I think is really important is when I'm teaching, I want to ask direct questions. 
I don't want to just ask blanket questions to the room. Hey, does everybody have this? Because when you ask a blanket question, you'll usually get blanket silence. So to me, it's specific. I ask a specific player, hey, what do you have on this particular pass rush game? And really what this is, it's kind of pulled from a military technique. So like the, the briefing uh, for the military, they, they tell you what the job is, the standard at which it needs done, the time frame at which it needs done. And then after they go through that, they have a brief back, which is where they repeat back what needs to be done. I think this is specific. And I love asking players these direct questions for a couple of different reasons. And, and I think this is significant. When you ask a player a question, you do a couple of things. The first thing you do is that you can uncover any gaps in your teaching where maybe you failed to communicate what the exact objective was, or you didn't communicate the details. So it, it helps you fix problems before you get out there on the grass to the practice field. The next thing it does is when you ask a player a question, you really give that guy an opportunity. The opportunity is that if they're on top of their stuff and they know what they're talking about and they've studied and, and they've got it, like making sure they've got it, when they answer that question, it builds confidence. And, and the psyche of your players is just so important. You want to have these guys as confident as they can be. And, and that starts with answering questions. The other thing that, that does, you know, especially here in the NFL, like if we get a rookie, the vets want to see that this guy's working. And, and if I ask this guy a question and boom, he nails it. He's got exactly right. He says it just how we say it. It's clear. It's concise. What that does is it gives the other players in the room confidence in that player. So when a young rookie's in there and he nails it, Max Crosby in our room looks at that rookie like, yeah, okay, this guy's got it. This guy can be out there with me. Whereas if you ask a guy questions and he, and he doesn't know, well, now he's losing the respect and the trust of those veterans. And that, and that trust piece is going to be valuable because these guys have got to be able to work together and count on each other. So that's just kind of how I approach the teaching aspect of it. The next piece is the development. Okay, As educators, as teachers, I think if you go to the education system, you have, you know, IEPs, individual education plans. And I think that that's sometimes met with some negative connotations I want to turn that and I want to make this, it's just a specific learning plan for a student. We want to do the same thing with all of our players here. We want to have an individual development plan because your job as a coach is to help everybody in the room improve. Okay. So part of this individual development plan, like where it all starts, it says, you watch the tape, you watch this guy move, you say, hey, identify what this person does well. And if it's already, if it's a strength, we want to enhance it. What's something little that we can do to make what they do well that much better? Or what's something we can do that allows this particular skill set of the player to be at the forefront of what we're trying to accomplish? And, and, and some of that's just making sure that guys who do things well, we put them in the right position so they can do those things. The next thing is 
and it's a little bit more challenging. It's like, well, what do, what don't we do well? And, and it's deciding like, can we change this? Can we fix this? Is there a drill that can help us, you know, move past this thing and, and, and maybe move it to more of a strength than necessarily an area of focus. And, and I always kind of use the word area of focus is like, those are things that we have to fix. And, and then the last thing is like, there's certain things within a game that are going to get you beat. Before you can win, you have to keep from losing. And another way of looking at that is like, there's a lot of times where, where more games are lost than they are won. And when you break this down to like little individual habits or, you know, certain things that players are doing, like you've got to identify those things and you got to eliminate them. You know, like lining up off sides as a rusher, jumping off sides as a rusher. That's the kind of stuff that gets you beat because you lose an opportunity to go out and maybe do what you do well. So once you can eliminate those things, you just really enhance your team's ability to win games as opposed to just losing games. So that's just kind of the way I approach it. And then the last piece is, is that inspiration. Um, you have to get your players excited, come in and do their job. You got to get them excited to be around. Like you want your players to want to be around. When a meeting breaks, you don't want guys sprinting out the door to get away from you. You got to make them excited. And a big part of how that is accomplished in my mind, like it all starts with trust. Your players have to trust you. And you've got to build that trust through, through a relationship. So the first thing is like connection. Find a way to connect with your players. And it doesn't have to be about football, like get to know them, talk to them about things that are going on in their life outside of football. The other piece of that connection and trust, like it can be built through shared adversity. Well, once you've gone through a season with a player or even with other coaches, like then you really know who that player is. But that shared experience that you have builds a bond that you can fall back on um, along with the connection. The next thing is like, there's got to be competence. The player will trust you if he believes you know what you're doing. If you're helping him get better, if you have answers to questions, if you can help this player solve problems, they're going to trust you. And then consistency. Like just stay the course. Do your best to make sure players aren't riding the emotional wave with you. Don't get too high when things are going great. Try not to get too low when things aren't going well. Now, all this, I mean, you got to be who you are. You have to do this in your own way. If you're a, like, if, if you yell and scream and you're kind of a, a jerk, well, that's okay. Be a jerk all the time. The players can handle that. What they can't handle is uh, how's he going to be today? Is it going to be great? Is it going to be bad? Like nobody looks forward to that. So just try to be consistent with them. That will help you gain their trust. And the most important piece of that trust is like trust is the only thing that really allows us to hold one another accountable. Like if I don't like something that a player did and I try to correct him and yell at him and he doesn't trust me, he's not going to listen. He's just going to be like, yeah, all right. He's, he's just yelling, like whatever. We're not looking for that. You want to be able to tell a player like, Hey, what you're doing isn't the standard. And if he trusts you, 
he takes that information and he tries to change it. Another way to help kind of inspire players is, is something I call small victories. You have to you have to acknowledge when improvements being made. And I think words aren't enough. Like there's got to be some actions. Like if it means, hey, you had a great day today, yesterday, you know, you were behind the quarterback too often on your rushes. You fixed that today. Hey, man, you got it today. You fixed it. Why don't you break the team down? Or giving a guy more reps. Like playing time is still the most important thing to these players. So if a guy's doing well, give him more. Give him an opportunity to grow within his role. That's going to inspire him to keep working hard. Or it might be just like in meeting room. Like, hey, this guy picks the music. Or whatever it is you do in your own way that says, hey, this guy's doing things the right way. This guy's getting better. Like give them those sorts of acknowledgements, like make them feel like they're getting better because they are obviously. And then the last thing is character. And I don't, I don't necessarily mean character from like a, a moral standpoint. I mean, character, like if you say you're going to do something, then, then that's what you have to do. You know, you can't promise a guy more reps and then not give him more reps because you've just destroyed all the trust that you're working so hard to build up. So those are the things when it comes to inspiration. Now, when we start working into pass rush and the great pass rushers that I've had the privilege to be around, you know, there's some attributes, there's some things. And you as a coach, you kind of, you build into these things. Like the, the first thing is just a winning mindset. I think confidence is important, especially in a rusher. You've got to instill in them that they're going to win, that the offensive lineman, he can't be right. Like, hey, that guy can't block you. He, you know, and I'm not always the nicest when I talk about offensive linemen. I, you know, I'd be like, hey, that, that bum, he can't block you. Like, he's a bum. He's got no shot. Because I want these guys feeling like they're unblockable. And that's where it really starts. And I think Max Crosby, who I have the privilege to, privilege to coach like Max is a great one he doesn't think he can be blocked and more times than not he's, he's right so along with that hey I'm gonna win it's that refuse to lose attitude it's just keep rushing right we talk a lot more about disruption as a part of production like we don't always just talk about sacking the quarterback like we need to affect the passer and if we're able to do that, hurries, hits, knockdowns, whatever that is, like your sack's coming. Just because you're not sacking the guy doesn't mean that you're not rushing well. But just understand, like, just keep going. If the first move doesn't work, counter. If that doesn't work, go to the number one thing that gets sacks in this league, and that's effort. When you watch tape, you see some great pass rush moves. You see some clean wins. More times than not, Effort is the reason guys get sacks. And I think effort, no matter what position you're coaching, no matter what role you're in, like it all starts with effort. The ability to go out and play harder and longer than the opponent. And it's what it takes to truly be successful. And me personally, as a coach, I think the greatest compliment you could ever be paid as a coach isn't necessarily about how challenging your scheme is or what great plays you have. It's when a coach from the other side that plays, that displays just says, your guys play so hard. 
that's the greatest compliment. And it's a testament to you as a coach and it's a testament to those guys as a player. So effort is at the forefront of everything we do. Now, a big part of effort is coming down to mindset and conditioning, right? You got to have the mindset and the mental toughness that you can play hard. You can outplay the opponent. You can outwork them even when you're tired. And then that brings into the conditioning aspect. Like if you're not in great shape, you'll never be a great player. If you want to get a lot of sacks, you got to be out there on the field. So the conditioning piece and being able to outwork people and play for longer and, and harder, that's a huge part of getting sacks, at least in this league. And I believe that translates all the way down through college, high school, peewee football. And then I just remind guys like, hey, a trash sack still a sack. Like, it doesn't matter how you get it. Like maybe the quarterback ran around for seven seconds back there, but you kept working and you ended up on top of them at the end of the play. Well, that's a sack and they all count. So this is just like, hey, you got to build up that psyche of your players. You got to tell them, hey, more than anything, you're going to win. Don't give up. Keep playing. That's what creates sacks. So the next thing that we always want to talk about is rush coordination. Of course, you want great rushers that can go out and win one-on-ones. It's a huge part of the game. But all of our guys need to understand, like, we're not independent contractors. I used to always joke around with players and talk about, like, Rambo. Like, Rambo was a badass, a one-man wrecking crew. They don't even know who Rambo is anymore. So I can't talk about that. But it's the ideal that we want to operate like a, like a special forces unit, right? We're a small group working together and we want to achieve a common goal. The, the most important thing to get these guys to understand is like we sack the quarterback together and we do that through coordinated rush. We all have an idea of what the rush lanes look like. When we run games, we run them in the appropriate way. We use natural twists so that we don't end up with two guys behind the quarterback. Like all of these things work together. Like we're looking for four working as one, as opposed to a bunch of guys out there. Cause you can make a great move on the inside as an interior pass rusher. But if the end doesn't keep the quarterback in the pocket, we well, are not going to sack him. So that's one of the first points that we always try to make. Now for us, I know there's a lot of different defenses out there and some of you guys are three down, some of you are four down, some are five down. Sometimes you get into six down, a bunch of different fronts. So just keeping it relatively generic, like for us, we're usually going to have four rushers more times than not. Okay. With these four rushers, we want to have a balanced rush. Okay. So it's just the understanding that, Hey, we've got two guys that are on the edges We've got two guys on the inside. In between those two guys on the inside, we kind of have different job responsibilities, one of which is being a middle push. The responsibility of the middle pusher is to push the middle of the pocket and take two. So if there's four rushers and five linemen, we want to make sure that we're at least taking two so that we have three one-on-ones. And then opposite the middle push is what we call a B-gap control player or really a two-way rusher. But it's just, as a group, we want to crush the pocket. We want to make sure that the quarterback, one, can't get out and run, first and foremost. I know we're all playing more and more mobile quarterbacks. We don't want this guy just taking off because 
that, that crushes you if you get to a third and long and the quarterback takes off and scrambles for a first down. I mean, that just kills the morale of your defense. So we've got to rush the quarterback the right way. And we've got to make this guy, like, if we can't sack him, we got to make him throw from the bottom of a well. Okay, so the outside guys are crushing the pocket. The inside guys are pushing so we can't step up. Like, the easiest thing for a quarterback to do is stand back there with a nice clean pocket, climb it, and deliver a ball. Like, anybody can throw through that kind of pocket. We want to make sure that they can't climb the pocket. We want to make it hard on them. And the way that we rush, if we can get his eyes off of the coverage and onto the rush, well, then we're halfway home. Thank you again for listening to the podcast and be sure to support Lawrence First and Goal. The proceeds from this go to a great cause, helping families who have children who are undergoing cancer treatment. Go to lfgf2023.coachesclinic.com to get the pass for this clinic. Follow all we're doing at coachingcoordinator.com and follow me on Twitter at Coach K. Grabowski.